0: This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward thinking farming. Good morning and welcome to the June 15th episode of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. I'm Brian Schrader, agronomist from Eastern Indiana, joined by my co host, Ben Jacob from Southern Indiana. Good morning, Ben.
1: Good morning, Brian. How are you? Very good. Ben, want
0: to get started this morning, maybe real quick. Uh, The Last three or four days, we've had a decent amount of rain across the state of Indiana. Uh, Some pretty heavy bands of rain. Uh, I know just south of me, there's a good band around the Newcastle area that runs up toward Indianapolis that had two plus inches. Uh, Here locally, we had about half, maybe six tenths. Be curious what the rain report and crop report for southern Indiana would be today.
1: Yeah, it's very similar down here. I mean, at my house, I got. I got a half inch maybe six tenths but that that started on friday and you know a little shot saturday and sunday sunday we were supposed to get hammered you know a couple of inches that ended up staying staying north of us so there is a band kind of up along i-70 maybe a little bit north of it where on sunday they got probably at least a couple inches and it it all came quick you know over just a pop-up it happened over 20 minutes 30 minutes in some cases so Um, I haven't made it up there to assess that yet, see what the crop looks like, but, you know, we, we can kind of lean on experience and have a pretty good idea of what, of what that's going to look like, particularly on beams that have been in the ground, you know, four days. So,
0: okay. Overall, what's crop quality, uh, in terms of the crop that's up, how do you feel about what you've got that's up right now, been in the Southern part or in your territory?
1: You know, overall, I think it's better. It's better than what we probably expected a month ago when when we were planting, trying to plant in these three-day windows. And the the first day of planting was probably probably too heavy. And then by the afternoon of the second day, it's right, and then you get rained out. Um, So I know the crop, but the crop looks good on the surface. I know the I know that because of the spring we had, we do have some root restriction due to some compaction. Now, that isn't a huge concern to me if we if we keep getting these rains every ten to fourteen days like we have, sure. but, but you know it always dries out at some point. So that's something we'll need to keep an eye on as we go through the season down here on our heavier ground. That that you know we did everything a day too early on it, and, and we know that. We know that we're going to have some compaction to deal with, but as long as we get some timely rains, we'll still we'll still have a good crop. You know, that's that's one of the bad lessons we've learned since 2019 and on. I think is that, hey, if the weather cooperates over the next 90 days, what we did, what we did leading up to, it, it's a whole lot less important. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so.
0: yeah, for sure. And very similar to what we're seeing up here. I feel like on the eastern side of the state of Indiana. I've got a uh, couple planting windows that were certainly a little wetter than they should have. I'm afraid with uh, the heat as we sat here today on Monday recording, Wednesday and Thursday are supposed to be in the high 90s. I, you may even have a forecast of 100 degrees down south. I don't know, Ben. Ours is, I think, 97 or 98 here in eastern Indiana, and I expect yeah. some of those root-restricted fields to really show up. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday of this week with the heat and not being able to get a hold of the moisture, even with the, the rain we've got. So uh, overall, I feel pretty pleased with the crop, but we're going to see some of those fields that were maybe punished a little bit to get the crop in. We're going to see those over the, the course of the, the summer here, I think have some issues if we don't continue to get the range we talk about. A lot of the replant beans that I had talked about over the last couple podcasts, have uh, gotten up look pretty good we did have some replant in some areas but nothing as substantial as what I had originally thought of so um, I think we're going to be in good shape uh, still got a little bit of replant here and there to take care of when it dries out but I feel pretty good about where we're at with our crop overall other than those farms like you mentioned that were put in a little heavy not a lot of acres but we will want to keep our eye on those
1: yep. yep absolutely and this this I mean that heat, that heat and the dry spell. I mean, it looks like the same thing down here. You know, we're going to be pushing a hundred and, and it looks, I mean, you look at some of the long range forecasts that that may be set in for a couple of weeks here. I mean, and that is, that is concerning. However, it's, it's not as concerning in a young crop as it is say around flowering or so. So if we have to take a hot, dry stretch, I, I, much rather it be now than when everything's trying to everything's trying to pollinate or fill grain so Absolutely. Know, maybe, maybe we'll trade one for another here. yeah
0: and and we'll certainly come back that's a great topic that we can touch on uh, in a future podcast episode is what heat and, uh, moisture stress do to your corn and soybeans. And I think one of the big things and I'll leave it here is that we need to remember that those are two very separate stresses, uh, moisture and heat stress. And I think sometimes, especially when we're hot and dry, we link those together and they really do work on the plant in very different ways. So we'll, uh, we'll circle back around. I'll make a note. We'll be sure that we touch on that in an upcoming podcast for folks as well, Ben. So, uh, just a good reminder there. So with that, maybe transitioning to our topic here, our main topic, and certainly going to be uh, important because of the heat this week. Uh, We want to talk to uh, our listeners this morning a little bit about wheat harvest and then also touch on double crop. As you pointed out before we uh, started the recording for the podcast this morning, with commodity prices up where they are, probably going to be some new double croppers uh, in the state of Indiana. Hopefully, we can help them get started on the right track. So, uh, Ben, maybe let's start with wheat and wheat harvest and think about that a little bit. Certainly, getting close, I'm sure, for you guys. Uh, I was thinking maybe we'd be three weeks off. And then when you get into this heat, uh, like we've got, I'm sure some of that early wheat's going to mature very fast this week. So, we could probably see some potentially some July 4th wheat uh, up here, which is kind of our. Early harvest window for us. A lot of years, uh, it won't be a lot because that first planting of wheat was a little bit slow up here shortly after the fly free date. Be curious where you guys are at in terms of uh, maturity. When you think you'll start to go, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about some of our wheat harvest best practices. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I was in a few fields last week, and um, even even though we hadn't hit this this big heat that we're going to have yet, I was surprised at how quick it was moving um in my area i i believe there will be some fields that could potentially be harvested towards the end of this week as you move south um down get down towards the ohio river i'm sure i'm sure there are some fields that are ready ready to go now um so you know that that probably leads us to you know an important question is what you know what what is ready for harvest and we you know yep. what, is, what that look like and, you, and you'll find and hear a myriad of things man i'd be curious where you land on the on the subject yeah sure i i probably well
0: first let me start here most of what i would consider are elite growers up here who have those really high uh yields year after year so think about the guys who consistently are getting 100 plus bushel yields because in my mind that 100 bushel yield is kind of the tipping point for those guys that are doing it because they have to either because we're going to put tile in the ground come summertime, or we've got to have the straw or we've got to have a manure ground. And those guys that are, you know, the elite level, it's also a grain crop for them. And, you know, maybe that's a overstatement of the simplicity of it, but that hundred bushel guys, most of those guys are probably harvesting much closer to 20 than they are 13 or 14 and drying it either uh, with air or they're actually running it through dryers and so I would start there ben so it, you know they're we see some shrinking wheat obviously and so they know they can catch that a little bit and so those guys are probably much closer to the 20. I would tell you that if you're someplace right around 14, give or take maybe in certain years especially this year with the heat that we're going to have if you end up at 12 you're probably going to be pretty good you get much drier than that and there's a lot of problems that can happen with harvest and those kind of things so i really like to try to aim for 14 or so would be a good number for me but i know you've you've got guys that want to be much wetter than that especially those that are drying and then you're never going to have the whole crop probably at fourteen, so it gets down to twelve throughout the harvest. That's acceptable for me. If you're getting much below twelve during your harvest, you probably should have started a little bit earlier. To be fair,
1: yeah, I would I would agree with all that, Brian. my My preference is to to harvest it wetter if you have a means to handle that. Um, you just eliminate eliminate loss, uh, eliminate a ton of loss that way, um, and and you know that's that leads directly to yield now when you're drying it you know consider if you got a seed contract on it you you need to dry it relatively cool with with the heat that we're going to have you just need to get air across it yeah um, you know if you're just storing it for grain to sell you can you can dry it you can dry it warmer but my preference is to, to like you said be in that 18 to 20 window i i really don't like it to go through the combine below 14. Okay. I can avoid it, but, um, you know, again, you can't control that weather. So so that's, I think, an important point that for this year is if you're a grower sitting there looking at your wheat harvest, think about how many acres you have to get through, how, you know, what you're handling in storage, what you're actually doing with the grain, but, um, you know, this wheat, this wheat crop is going to move quick with all this heat over the next two weeks, and 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 however long this heat lasts, you know we we could be we could be in for a prolonged stretch. Um, looking at some forecasts, so you know you need to monitor monitor that pretty closely what's going on in the field. Um, and a, a side note, if you didn't if you didn't get a fungicide on that wheat to control head scab. You need to make a really good assessment of what's going on out there if you have scab to deal with. Um, a spoiler alert if you didn't spray head, if you didn't spray for head scab, you you probably have head scab, yeah. out there. Uh, and that weed, I would prioritize to get at as close to 20 as you can and get it in and get it dried, get it in and get it dried down to uh, my. I'm drawing a blank on the specific number for scab. I think it's 13% that you have to be below, but
0: I believe um, you're right. Yeah.
1: Double check that. But anyway, um, get that in, get it dried, and get that, keep to keep that, um, disease from spreading, uh, because one test weight goes and two, uh, if you if you've got, if you've got vomitoxin, it's, it's not going to be taken at the elevator. So yeah, that's right. You know. So
0: Ben, we, I like to draw some <laughs> comparisons between corn and, and wheat obviously both grass crops but also in terms of maturity you know we talk about black layer on corn at 30 um, percent give or take the physiological maturity for wheat is actually a little bit wetter than that someplace right around 40 percent but in your discussion there that you were talking about how fast this wheat's going to go from 40 to 20 can go pretty fast i mean in your rec- your thoughts and your experience how fast can you go i mean we talk about losing a point or point and a half of moisture in corn on really warm fall days. I mean, you were, you're talking about hairdryer status this week with the wind blowing and 95 yeah. degrees. How fast do you think we'll drop?
1: Yeah. 95 degrees, sunshine and wind blowing. I mean, it's, it's going to move quick. Um, you know, that I've, I've seen that happen in, in, in around a week. I know, um, I mean, there's, there's some literature around that, that I, I think two, two, two and a half percent is, is on the, on the quicker side for wheat drying, but you know, 2% a day to cover that still what 10 days. Um, yeah. so it, with the heat, with the heat we're having, I, I, you could make that in as little as five or six days, I would think. Um, I don't think that two and a half, is the top end i think that we can i think you can squeeze a little bit more out of it with the weather we're going to have but you know if you if that wheats lo- uh, reach maturity it's 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 going to go quick um it's going to get dry quick and said to to start with i mean you'd be ready to go get it because you miss you miss the window if you miss the window you're going to experience quite a bit more harvest loss so yeah with with what the wheat crop's worth <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> Yeah, I'd want, I'd want every kernel I could get. Well, and
0: let's talk about harvest loss, maybe next, you know, we mentioned, or you mentioned, you know, if you've got head scab and needing to make some combine adjustments, get that out of there, but that's also going to increase test weight, even besides the scab, make sure that you're stopping the combine, you're getting out behind it. You're making sure that you're looking at that again, wheat prices are up. It's commodity of value for a lot of reasons right now. Certainly the Ukrainian situations playing into the wheat market at a global level. But if you're looking at grain loss, you got to stop the combine. You got to go back behind it and either put out some uh, square uh, rectangle type uh, patterns. You can use rope, you can use wood, whatever you need to do, but that's one of the best ways. I think the big thing to remember is that for every roughly 18 kernels that you're finding per square foot behind that combine that equates to a bushel of loss. And so certainly got to remember that and remember that you're getting harvest losses, potentially uh, in wheat from a couple places, potentially from the header. And then also from the machine, if you don't have the machine set, right? So Ben, any thoughts on harvest loss? I, I see it a lot, especially as guys are getting started, not really, you know, adjusting quite, quite like they should. Plus this week, If you've got stuff that's ready to go, say Tuesday or Wednesday, and you're into Friday, there's going to be a lot of changes because of the weather. And so a lot of combined adjustments are going to be made, uh, are going to need to be made to keep uh, harvest losses to a minimum over the course of the harvest window.
1: Yeah, I think that that most folks are probably underestimating the amount of harvest loss they're experiencing Um, as anecdotal evidence to that, Brian. You know we at home for personal use we buy we buy quite a bit of straw and yeah <laughs> the the amount of grain that ends up in the straw sometimes is quite quite oh. astonishing you know the critters critters love it it's sure. thing, but anyway um you know i think i think you hit the big ones that that getting the getting the real speed adjusted right particularly as that wheat gets dry to eliminate to eliminate shatter i think that I think that a lot of times we run we run that reel way too fast, um, you know. And and like I mentioned earlier, that a little bit wetter, the weeds a whole lot more forgiving. Um, and then moving moving way too much air across it and blowing it out the back. That yep. you know, particularly if if you do have an issue where where test weights down a little bit. I mean, getting that right balance on you know. 12% wheat with low test weight to to keep the kernel and get rid of the chaff is, is tough to do and and the other thing to keep in mind is that if you start if you start harvesting wheat in the morning when it's when when the dew's not quite off of it and it's still wet you're going to have to change the combine settings through the day so this is yep. this is not a static thing and it's it's going to have to change through harvest right and, um, probably change multiple times a day if you're pushing to get through. Um, you know, and have a little bit damp on the, on the morning and the evening. So it's, yeah, well, it, but it, it is critical.
0: For sure. And I'll go back to what I've said before, when we've talked about corn planter adjustments, I think it applies to combines as well. We should really talk about combine adjustments, not settings. Settings feel very uh, finite that, Hey, I've done it. I'm, I'm done. We can move on, but you've this is a moving window this this grain is going to change varieties are going to change the weather will change growing conditions change and they impact all of those things i mean even think about with uh nitrogen if you've got a field and had a lot of corners you know not square you've got heavy nitrogen you got wheat down and you've got to get it back up and harvest it that's going to change some things as well and so you're going to have to take that into account uh when you're setting your combine adjusting it and so uh just a, a reminder that this is going to be a continuous uh, change throughout the harvest window for folks just to make sure that you're maintaining the quality of the grain going into the tank but also not shucking a bunch of it out the back end either
1: that's right yeah that's right
0: anything else on wheat bin that we should cover before we maybe change the topic to somewhat related topic but uh, anything we should cover here before we move on
1: no, I, I think, I think that that's, that's a good starting point for wheat harvest anyway. The, the last thing that I want to say is that, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or later, later on here in, in the middle of June and you have wheat in the ground and you've not seen it for a week or two, hey, go out, go out into those fields and, and see what you have, because this crop is moving very, very quick this year.
0: Uh, that's a, a great piece of advice, Ben, for sure. Uh, Even for us up here, I know last week I started to see a little bit of a color change in a fair amount of wheat. And like we've talked about already with 90 plus degree temperatures, that's going to go fast even up here. So, All right. Well, with that, maybe uh, to a related subject, uh, we get the wheat off of the field. And now because of soybean commodity prices, uh, some folks are probably a little more interested in the idea of double cropping. Uh, Not only those in your part of the world that maybe haven't done it before for all sorts of reasons but certainly we're seeing a renewed interest in it up here to the north where a lot of times it's a hit and miss in terms of uh, how how much we're going to yield out of those and how we manage those and so thought we might spend some time uh, talking to you I guess specifically about your advice to folks who are double cropping I've got a few thoughts but you guys certainly do a lot more acres than we do as you get north of 70 Ben so just, uh, I guess, maybe your thoughts, or where should we start when we talk about double-crop soybeans?
1: Yeah, so I always start the conversation with the conversation that we just had. Successful double-crop soybeans start a wheat harvest, and it's, if you're planning on double-cropping the soybeans, really focus on getting the wheat out as, as quick as you can. Um, you know, if you're if you're taking straw off of it, you're gonna make you're gonna make it a little tougher, particularly with this heat, because having having the straw coming out the back will help preserve some soil moisture that the beans are gonna need. So, if you're taking the straw off, that's that's a, That's a different conversation. But if you're not taking the straw, um, make make sure that your choppers and spreaders are set right at harvest, so you're 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 spreading that residue well and that. that don't have you don't have areas of real heavy residue it's going to be tough to plant through and tough to get the beans out of and like i mentioned by spreading it well it's it's not going to do a ton but with all this heat you may preserve enough soil moisture that it could be the difference between germinating beans and not germinating so you know get the get the wheat off as quick as you can um, to to optimize the wheat harvest as well but also so you can come back in and get a bean crop in the ground and maximize the growing season because because at this point a few days a few days can be very important um, you know and and you know I I think some people look at a look at double crop soybeans and in some years they are it's it's kind of a, a toss up it's a proposition that you know if we put them in we may get something off of them we may not particularly as you go north but in a lot of in a lot of places in the state Brian you know first crop soybeans. Aren't even done yet, and yeah. we're you know we're talking about getting into double crops for later. sure, and we've had some late some late years and um, and you know had had decent bean crops out of that. Now we know planting date is important with yield, right? So right. you know, actually actually being able to get them out there a few days a few days can particularly as much as the soil is going to dry out can make a big difference in actually getting those out of the ground this year. I know there's some there's some school of thought that if the soil's dry, don't don't even tempt it. Um, I, that's that's probably a game time decision for for an individual field and your 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 individual risk assessment, um, how you want to look at that. I I have not personally experienced um, with the weather patterns we we tend to have. Just a complete failure in a double crop down here due due to dry soil. I've yeah. seen some that were slow with light stand, um, but but there's something there. But but you you have to do that math on your own for what yield you need to get out of it to, to yeah. pay for diesel and and the the price of the beans. Um, I think the I think the next thing to talk about is just you know just what does population need to look like. You know, I, I know that, that over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of information overall about, on soybeans about reducing populations. And we've, we've beat that subject pretty hard on this, on this particular program. Um, with double, with double crop beans, you need a lot of them. Now, yeah. you know, go, the, the reason by, I mean, we can look at the reason it, it's pretty simple because you're, the number of pods the number of pods you're going to get are determined by the number of flowers you have which is determined by the number of nodes that you, nodes have. you have if the if the growing season's shortened you need more more plants out there to get more nodes right yep. <laughs> so yeah
0: and and narrow rows are going to be incredibly important in your double crops <clears throat> if you're a guy that's been thinking about maybe going in and doing 30s honestly it's not advisable you may be planting a green manure crop rather than a grain crop in that situation
1: yeah i agree i agree completely at least 15s um and in some cases depending on depending on the confidence you have in your drill i'm not i'm not usually a, a proponent of the controlled spill mechanism but if um you know, narrow, narrowing them out. If you, if you have good confidence in it, or you have access to an air seeder that can, that can get you narrow, um, yeah. you know, go, go down, go down to seven. Now population um, for me, for me, I want to see 200,000. Okay. Uh, I know some people will argue with that quite a bit and, and waver, but you know, double crop, double crop beans are the seeds pretty cheap on them in a lot of cases. So, you know, it's, that's, that's where I've seen the most success. Um, can you raise decent bubble crop beans at a lower population? Yes, you can. Um, but you're gonna, you're, you're, you're reducing the odds of that happening. So, but, but, you know, we talked about population being important from, for nodes, um, you know, and and you mentioned narrow rows and those, those two go, those two go together, right? Because our goal, our goal is to get that canopy closed and start capturing As much sunlight as we can you know with a small plant um, to have that whole field be more efficient so instead of thinking of it on an individual plant basis like like we tend to a lot of times really you're thinking of it as a larger unit what can we do to maximize the the nutrient uptake and the sunlight capture over this entire unit so narrow rows high population um, you know those equipment limitations and and what you're comfortable with on on population may play into that a little bit but like i said i I like to see i like to see 200,000 out of it um
0: so what's your maturity ben that's always the loaded question for you know folks especially those that may be new to um replant or excuse me to double crop um we maybe do take into account maybe a little bit of a replant mentality on it sometimes when we're trying to decide what to do on maturity. Uh, I certainly know what I like to do, but I'd be curious, what's your recommendation for optimum yield and double crop? What maturity are you looking at?
1: Yeah. So the maturity conversation kind of is counterintuitive, but you, you need to add maturity for your double crop beans rather than, rather than taking it off. And, um, I mean, the the reason, the reason for that's flowering duration, plain and simple. If you longer maturity beans have a longer flowering duration and, you know, here, by the time this comes out, we'll be five days away from the summer solstice, which is conventionally when beans start flowering. So you're, you're not going to harvest wheat pretty much anywhere in the state and have, and have beans in the ground and out of the ground by by then. So, so we need to do what we can to manipulate that. Um, So Go to a fuller, fuller season, we'll, we'll get a little bit more on the back end and, and stretch that out. Now, of course we have to be careful with it, you know, not pushing anything so full that we're going to, we're going to be up against the killing frost. But, yep. you know, I, down, down here where I'm at three, three, eight, four Oh, even, I mean, it's, it's not yeah. a problem to, to get them to maturity because, because, you know, maturity still, still interrupts. And, influenced by daylight length or, or rather night length for soybeans but you know they're still going to get to maturity that is going to be delayed some with later planting so it's not like it's not like it's a switch but but it is driven it is driven by day length so yep. you can push maturity a lot a lot farther than most folks think that you can and aside from a from um extending that flowering duration the other thing it does is is it gets those first pods higher up off the ground but with an early bean they flower closer to the ground typically and you know you may have you may have a couple nodes of beans that particularly in, in that wheat stubble are going to be very difficult to get if you use an earlier bean and using a using a fuller season bean and and adding population to get those to stretch up a little bit and, and hopefully have more more of those pods you can actually capture when you go through and harvest. So I mean that's 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 the the big setup for me, I guess, if you're I mean the real simplistic how to get how to find success, get your weed off early, plant them thick, narrow rows, full, you know, high population and and uh as full of season maturity as you're comfortable putting out, uh, you do those, you're you're started down the right path and then, you know, we hope for good weather.
0: Yeah. After. I Yeah. That's a, I mean, those are all certainly the, the key pieces. I think from the maturity standpoint, that's probably the biggest discussion that we have in the North with folks is trying to get them to understand the maturity. What I would say is take whatever your normal spread on your farm is, and you want to be that mid to late maturity spread. So if your spreads from a two, eight to a three, eight, let's say, you, you need to be probably three, five or later for your double crop beans. I would say if you're a guy that's planting one, nine to a two, eight, you probably need to be a two, five or later, uh, in your, on your farming operation as well. So mid to late is where I would go. The other thing up here that I find is pretty critical, Ben, and I think you touched on it, but it's worth calling back out is you don't want to dilly dally. When you get the wheat cut, you need to be harvesting the straw and then you need to get the soybeans in the field. Or if you're not going to harvest the straw, get that done as quick as you can. Because with that wheat off, you've exposed all that ground to the sunlight and to the air. And it's going to dry out much quicker than you realize, especially given the fact that we're going to be in late June or July compared to what it would dry out if we were working it and planting a crop in April or May. And so the guys that typically have the most success up here are the guys that get these harvest and planning operations done in a couple of days. They're not, you know, there's not a week apart They're They're getting it done pretty quick. Those are the guys, at least from my standpoint, I see that have the most success. And they're certainly the guys that are harvesting earlier. Most of these high level wheat guys who are uh, harvesting early, are also the ones that are having the success with the double crop. And that's because they're harvesting early they're picking up a few days. If you get them in the ground, you know, before the summer solstice in your guys' neighborhood, that makes all the difference in the world on what these things are going to yield.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I, you know, I think the last, the last question um, that I get uh, or have gotten from maybe new, new double crop operations is, is, around around weed control. Uh, you know, let me back up first. Uh, there, there is something I forgot to mention that um, if you're, if you did not plan in advance to do double crop beans and you did not fertilize appropriately, um, particularly with potassium, you, you might need to figure out a way to get to some, to get some potassium in the ground around that, or, or it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough proposition. So, um, I think, I think a lot of people that, you know, that are double cropping probably have that figured out already and, sure. and, and are planning that, you know, they're not going to lose potassium. So let's put it there up front anyway, but you know, it's, it's, it's worth making that comment. So, okay. Back, back to, back to weed control. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, does, it does come up fairly frequently, right. And, uh, um, you know, and you've got a little stronger crop protection background than I do. So, You'd be interested and get your comments on it. However, you know, with the with the move to enlist for pioneer, man, it's it's simple, pretty <laughs> you easy. <know>? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's
0: right. And so, I I would agree with you, Ben. I mean, it. I will say that in the past, especially when we were having trouble with some of the other uh, tech platforms that we were using with controlling mare's tail and water hemp. Uh, remember, and we've talked about it a lot. Water hemp germinates. All year round, every month, every week. So, we've got some wheat fields that the minute they're opened up and you get sunlight down there, they're going to be full of water hemp. And Enlist has made it so easy. Um, you know, we, we've talked about and mentioned freedom to spray with no deadline like we had with the dicamba that the state imposes. So, you can spray Enlist well into July and August and be in great shape. And so, Enlist has made this thing incredibly easy and we know it works well. And so I, you know, probably the key thing to remember is that if you had a weedy wheat field, you're probably going to have weedy double crop beans. And so you're going to have to keep an eye on that, but you've got some options, uh, especially with Enlist and Roundup or Enlist and Liberty that you can go to uh, that'll keep your beans pretty clean. Uh, you'll have to watch them again as we've talked about you know they may be a little shorter going to take a little bit more time for them to canopy so you're going to need to make sure you're timing those applications correctly but uh, you it can be done and enlist is a huge tool to making the weed control in double crop soybeans yeah. easy and successful
1: yeah i agree and that, that i might add that you know as these as these wheat fields approach maturity um, you're getting a lot of sunlight down through the canopy already, so maybe maybe take a good look at what's already germinated when you're planting. Get you know get it get that controlled early. Um, you know, I it's kind of it's kind of a toss up in some instances whether you know how how robust a herbicide program you want, but I would say that if if you're battling resistance um, and that water hemp, that I'd strongly encourage you to to get anything that's come through the wheat killed and even consider even consider a residual application yeah the, the good news is the beans this late in the year that we've got enough moisture they get up they move quick we've got a ton of heat ton of sunlight and they'll can it be quick so we get the crop to help us out with weed control a little bit but but you know it's it, Water hemp in particular, it's a, you know Brian. I like to talk about the big three, but water yep. hemp is the, water hemp is the big one, and it it can be a bear to control, and and with multiple resistance that we're seeing in a lot of places, we need to make sure we're doing what we can to preserve the technology that we have.
0: For sure, and I the the residual call out's really good there, Ben. And uh, you know, remember you can spray enlist and then turn around and plant your enlist soybeans. Uh, you know, no no waiting period there. Or, Uh, have to do anything there so that's a piece of flexibility that in the past we've not had on double crop if you were wanting to spray a 2-4-D application and uh, go back in for double crop you still had to wait that time so uh, big change for us with the enlist beans anything else on wheat harvest or double crop beans before maybe we shut this episode down and uh, thank everybody for listening Ben
1: no, I think um, I mean we covered what I wanted to. I think I'm sure I'm sure that I've forgotten something. So you know, if you're if this is your first double crop experience or your first one in a while, or first wheat experience, don't don't hesitate to reach out. We, you know, enjoy talking to you and love to help.
0: How can they do that, Ben? How can they get a hold of you if they heard something or have some questions about double crop yes. beans?
1: So you can find me on some social media platforms on Twitter at. Ben Jacob or on Facebook at Ben Jacob agronomy. How about you, Brian?
0: Yep. You can find me on Twitter at BK Schrader or on Instagram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. Certainly as always, just a reminder that Ben and I are just two of several agronomists in the state of Indiana and a big, large group of territory managers and certainly the Pioneer sales reps that if you're interested in learning about double crop or want some advice on your wheat harvest, make sure you reach out to your local Pioneer sales rep. If they can answer your question, they can certainly get you a hold of uh, their local agronomist. Ben and I are just two of a number here in the state of Indiana. So with that, we'll call the June 15th episode of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast uh, done. We appreciate you listening. Hope you stay safe and uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com
0: backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.